So to kick off with the coronavirus background, COVID still having absolutely tragic consequences in various parts of the world, um, especially as you'll all know in India at the moment. But in the UK here, we're somewhat more fortunate. And it's a case that a combination of the previous social restrictions and the high vaccination rates seem to be restricting the spread of the virus. If you look at the daily case numbers, they're averaging around 2,300, falling at a weekly rate of about 6%. Reported daily fatalities are a little above 20. And despite the debate over the blood clot risks associated with the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, close to 34 million people in the UK have had one jab. Over 13 million now have had two doses. And indeed, I had my second jab yesterday. The process was remarkably efficient. Um, initial vaccinations are now being rolled out to those aged 42 years of age and over. Now, in terms of the economy itself, we are even more convinced that the recent developments will push the economy along strongly. And I'll try and boil that down to a few points. Now, first off, the recent data have been stronger than expected. I've mentioned this before, but the economy has gained a significant degree of resilience through the various lockdowns. And you know, prime example here, retail sales numbers last Friday, um, which showed 5.4% gain in volumes on the month. And that's March. Non-essential retailing in England was still closed then. So that's a significant increase. Second, GDP figures are still beating expectations. February specifically didn't with a 0.4% gain on the month, but the previous numbers were revised up. So when economists such as myself do our calculations for growth of the year, those forecasts tend to warrant an upgrade. And number three, surveys are positive. We look at a lot of surveys. We look at fast economic indicators as well, such as the Google mobility indices. And the, the latter have really surged since the, the 12th of April, the Monday when um, English shops and pubs reopened. And here, the, the direction of travel is, is, is pretty obvious to us. Um, next, something we've talked about previously is the amount of cash in household um, bank and building society accounts as the furlough schemes broadly have maintained levels of household income, but spending on services, of course, has been subdued. Now, this is the, the so-called what we call the excess savings, which would not have been there had the pandemic not happened. And for those of you interested, the way that we've calculated it is to just look at the path of the deposits since last February before um, the pandemic happened, extrapolated that growth path, to today, subtract that from the current figure, and what you get is around 120 billion pounds. And that's equivalent to around 10% of annual household consumption. So, of course, it's impossible to, to, to guess exactly how much of this will be spent, but it should add significantly to the rebound in consumer spending, which we think will happen anyway, and therefore economic growth. And so, to round off on this point, for those of you that read our research, we, we published our monthly global economic overview at the start of this week. Uh, we upgraded slightly our UK GDP forecast for this year to plus 7.5% from plus 7.3%. I have to say, we do judge that it could be higher than that and, and growth this year could quite easily top 8%. Um, consensus forecasts are around 5.5% and quite frankly, they look too low. Now, where does this leave the outlook for interest rates? I did mention the 6th of May, Thursday next week. Um, 
Okay, first reason why that's important is that because it's going to see the release of the Bank of England's monetary policy report, what we used to call the quarterly inflation report, um, where the Bank of England's monetary policy committee sets out its views on the economy. Governor Andrew Bailey will deliver a press conference, you know, perhaps giving some hints on monetary policy. So there are a couple of points here which I think are relevant. The first one, what we've just been talking about, is that it's pretty likely that the Bank of England will upgrade its view of growth for 2021. Um, it's currently at 5%. Um, and if you do see a significant move upwards in that forecast, what you tend to see is that you get some sort of herd following, and it could be the catalyst for the private sector forecasts to lift their own view as well. Now, if that does happen, um, what you could see is upward pressure on the pound. The second point, um, is looking at interest rates and monetary policy generally. Don't forget that the Bank of England is still conducting QE. It's actually buying 4.4 billion of gilts every week. Um, and to quote a few numbers at you, its stated aim is to take its total stock of gilts to 875 billion at the end of the year. Now, um, it's got 787 billion of gilts. Um, so if you do the arithmetic, if it continues at its current pace, it will reach its target more than three months early. So at next week's NPR and the Monetary Policy Committee announcement on policy, this is very likely to include a slowdown in its rate of purchases. It is not a change of policy, not tapering. It's just an adjustment to the mathematics. So its timetable is met. So it's keeping its existing policy in place on this. On policy changes, we've got inflation, CPI inflation at plus 0.7% at the moment. We've been talking about it heading upwards over the course of this year since we've been doing these webinars, and that's partly due, due to tax changes being unwound and the comparison period for inflation a year ago being the low energy background. I think in addition to that more recently, there do seem to be some additional pipeline pressures in various supply chains. That might partly be due to additional Brexit-related costs, which could take inflation a little bit above 2% towards the end of this year. But our view is that those price pressures are likely to be temporary, and the Monetary Policy Committee will probably do little more than note them and not act on them. Final point on monetary policy is the timing of any interest rate move. Given the economic momentum, we do think still that the next move in interest rates is upwards but a relevant question um, which i think many people have forgotten about is to do with sequencing i.e which policy does the bank of england reverse first its rate cuts or its qe now if you dial back to a few years ago specifically 2017 the mpc raised interest rates first and didn't sell any of its bond portfolio now, the Bank of England is currently undertaking a review on the relative mer merits of sequencing. And Andrew Bailey, the governor, is known to favour, beginning by reversing some of the QE and then raising rates a little later. Now, we might, we don't know, but we might get some news of this review, how it's going next week. And that potentially could influence uh, markets' expectations of the first move in interest rates. And just for the record, our own view is that we are expecting some QE reversal first, perhaps in around a year's time, i.e. gilt sales by the Bank of England, and then a rise in the bank rate around a year later, probably by 15 basis points, 0.15%, 
to a quarter of a percent. But that really depends on the sequencing. Now, I mentioned two reasons why the 6th of May is important. That was the economics reason. There's also a very good political reason. Thursday next week sees a number of local and regional elections through the UK, and they include the mayoral elections in London, the West Midlands, which is Andrew's neck of the woods, uh, and also the Welsh Assembly is to be re-elected. And perhaps most importantly, we have the Scottish Assembly elections to Holyrood. Now, the outgoing administration in Edinburgh is an alliance between the SNP, which doesn't have an overall majority, and the pro-independence Greens. Now, in short, if the SNP does get an overall majority, the momentum behind a second independence referendum will be ignited. The Scottish system is a, a very complex system with a hybrid um, proportional representation system of individual seats and regional votes. I, I won't go through all of that now, but the polls are currently suggesting, if anything, that Nicola Sturgeon's party, um, her support has slipped and it will fall short of an overall majority next week. Now, Alex Salmon, new Alba party may also have a role here, even if it is just to split the regional vote. 